Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Super Bowl. That's it. Football season's over. Super Bowl is a nothing personal word of the day. Today is Monday, February 8th, 2021. Even people who don't like football are watching the Super Bowl, or at least they're hanging out at Super Bowl parties and eating food that's not good for you and pretending that it doesn't matter. And then starting over today, Monday morning, I got quite a few things I want to mention that happened to me yesterday during the course of the Super Bowl, because this was not an ordinary Super Bowl Sunday for myriad reasons, but the most of which for all of us is that it was not a day for Super Bowl parties. It was not a day for getting together with people and celebrating and starting early. My normal schedule on Super Bowl Sunday would be to knock on my friend PJ's door at around noon every day and start, go hard early and somehow try not to fall asleep by halftime. But of course, that's not how it works these days. Everyone was socially distanced in their own house or apartment or wherever dwelling. Very few people I would hope were out at bars or strip clubs or anywhere else. And all I kept thinking about during the course of the Super Bowl is that this was the dream matchup. When leagues start their season, the commissioner's office and other owners, they sort of have in their mind what would be the ultimate matchup in a Super Bowl or in the World Series or in the NBA Finals, et cetera. You're thinking about that from a broadcasting standpoint. What are the biggest markets? What are the biggest storylines of your season? And you talk to your executives within the league and you come up with what would be the best. No doubt from the NFL standpoint, having Tom Brady host a Super Bowl in Tampa with his new team, first time in the NFC, against the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs with the greatest of right now, Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. That would be the dream matchup in a year that's basically been a nightmare. The NFL, we have talked to death about COVID, the COVID protocols, the way Roger Goodell just pushed through. And I mean, pushed through like a battering ram and he made it to the Super Bowl and he was sitting there in his suite during the game. Uh, Quick side note story, by the way, Uh, the way it works when you are one of the owners of a team in a finals or a world series or in a Super Bowl, or you are the commissioner in what is known as the commissioner suite, because when the Super Bowl is hosted or the NBA playoffs or the World Series, the league takes over the ballpark or the arena. We've talked about that. And they take over everything, including all the suites. So a certain suite is chosen for the commissioner and the commissioner's guests. And it in football would be 50 yard line suite. Uh, They let the owner keep the owner's suite and then 
the commissioner gets the second best suite. And if the second best suite is so bad, then believe it or not, the own, the commissioner has the right to take over the actual owner suite of the team. And in the Super Bowl, regardless that Tampa was hosting, doesn't matter. The Glazer family did not get the Glazer suite. The best suite goes to the commissioner. So what happens before a game is the commissioner gets told through his PR people exactly when the commissioner will be on camera. So it is a complete setup when they go and show Roger Goodell. And Roger Goodell then surrounds himself with his PR people and they say to themselves, who do we want in the photo in the picture when they cut to us live? This year, they went with Russell Wilson and his wife, his wife, his wife, Russell Wilson and his wife, Sierra, Sierra, Sierra. Thank you, Coco. Welcome to Monday. <laughs> so the way it works, by the way, folks, when we're doing a show and you know that we don't edit it, we go straight through. When I can't pronounce a name or think of a name, I try to do enough of a pause where Coca's going to pick up on it. But of course, it's Monday, the first five minutes of the show. So he's not exactly on all cylinders since pregame, which we always do a pregame, which doesn't mean a regular pregame, which is what I love to do. Like on Super Bowl Sunday, I did a major pregame. No, the pregame with us is going over the show, over the topics. Coca's main pregame statement was, I'm tired, I'm grumpy, and I'm angry. So I delayed by saying that Russell Wilson and his wife, wife, and he finally whispered, Sierra. Thank you. So you look at Roger Goodell in the commissioner's suite, and it's not just that you see who he's with because that is completely purposeful. You also see what they're drinking because that is purposeful too. It's all set up by people in the sponsorship department who go into the suite and make sure everything is where it should be for when the broadcast feed will cut to a picture in the suite. Because what are the chances Russell Wilson and his wife, Sierra, would be having the same can of a Pepsi product right before halftime and that the label, thank God, was facing the camera. Whew. Because I know all of us, when we're sitting down to have a drink, make sure that the label of what we're drinking is camera ready. So lest anyone think Roger Goodell and any league is not interested in business, of course we all are. That's the purpose of the show. That's the reality. I'm going to pull off the covers, let you see behind the Oz. I really want to make that smoother, Coca. If you want to see behind the curtain of Oz, where he hides like the Wizard of Oz. It's just this sort of guy like me. Anyway, that was Roger Goodell. He was very smugly happy that they made it through, and they did. The game itself, when you want a game to happen, you have two weeks of unbelievable buildup where the greatest of all time is against the greatest of right now, where Tom Brady could win his seventh Super Bowl or Mahomes could win his second in a row. If Mahomes wins, he's two and zero, and Brady would fall to six and four. If Brady wins, he's seven and three. Mahomes goes to one and one and becomes six Super Bowls behind. Bigger than that, Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl would mean that he himself has more Super Bowl rings than any other NFL franchise. 
because he was tied going in with two franchises, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the someone else's. Oh, it's got to be the Patriots, obviously, because he won six with the Patriots, obviously. Hello. Today's Monday morning. So he then goes to the NFC. He wins the NFC championship, tying him with Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan as NFC quarterbacks with one NFC championship. Of course, Tom is one for one. Then goes to the Super Bowl, and the game was an absolute lemon. And I don't mean the lemons falling from the sky. The game was awful. 31 to 9, no matter how hard CBS tried, and believe me, I get their pain. I feel their pain. They need people to watch the entire game. So Tony Romo had to keep saying, hey, score here, Kansas City, and we got ourselves a ball game. Oh, they got to get this first down. This is a big play because then we got a ball game. Meanwhile, it was never a ball game. Patrick Mahomes spent the entire game running around Kokotomi at 497 yards scrambling. I'd never thought of that stat before. It's a funny stat. 497 yards scrambling. That's a lot of scrambling. And that means like backwards yards. He rushed for 33 yards, but he just was under pressure. The offensive line had nothing. Tampa Bay's defense. I don't want to call this the Denver Super Bowl victory of a few years ago where Von Miller, the MVP and the defense carried Peyton Manning, the Hall of Famer who was on the field before the game in that great Denver Bronco color jacket when he won his Super Bowl with Adam Gase as his offensive coordinator where people thought that Adam Gase would then be a great head coach because of what he did for Peyton Manning, but it was actually the defense that won the Super Bowl. Is that what happened yesterday? Well, the Tampa Bay defense held the the, uh, Patrick Mahomes Chiefs to zero touchdowns, three field goals. They did one hell of a job. And their defensive coordinator is, uh, what are you telling me, Coca? Patrick Mahomes' tackle was the same tackle that Von Miller destroyed in the Super Bowl. Is that true? I'm not sure why you didn't tell me that pre-show, because that is the most important nugget we're going to give the audience today. That the Patrick Mahomes tackle was the same tackle that Von Miller destroyed in the Super Bowl? Okay. I think that that may not make the final cut here of nothing personal today. I'm just saying it may not. So I'm not saying that the Tampa Bay defense was as good as the Denver defense and that Tom Brady was as bad as Peyton Manning was. I'm saying Tom Brady won the MVP. He threw for three touchdowns, two to Gronk, by the way, one to Antonio Brown on a laser. All of the people who performed for Tampa, from Gronk to Fournette to AB, all are people who followed Tom Brady to Tampa. I was picturing in my mind the Los Angeles Rams owners in the organization saying, do you think Matthew Stafford can attract as many people to LA as Tom Brady attracted to Tampa? Because maybe the LA Rams will all of a sudden be good. A lot of things were in my mind during the Super Bowl, And I was just thinking, how lucky am I that we're watching Tom Brady, truly the greatest of all time, become not just the greatest of all time, but he will never be surpassed. So Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. And people have a debate that maybe LeBron is the greatest of all time. There could be another player. Maybe Zion will become the greatest of all time if he can win a few rings. Who knows? In baseball, people debate, and there is no greatest of all time because you've got pitchers, position players. There's no debate that can be solved or won. But in football, the debate's done. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time and will always be the greatest of all time. In our lifetimes, whether you are 52, 42, just turned 30 or 70 or 80 or about to pass away, you will not see another player approach Tom Brady. 
in terms of winning, in terms of effectiveness, in terms of franchise difference. You just won't. I was thinking about Robert Kraft. I tweeted that out during the game. Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick will tell you they didn't watch the game. They'll tell you they don't care and they're happy. They'll make sure their social team sends out a tweet congratulating the greatest of all time. They were pissed and despondent, period. That's it. Tom Brady, seventh Super Bowl. Did you watch the pregame? You know, the way the pregame works is you have committees that meet within the commissioner's office. You sprinkle some people from the home stadium into those committees, mostly on the operations side. But when it comes to the creative side of how the pregame show will go, what the timeline is, you you start building that out. Really, today, the Super Bowl in L.A. starts getting planned. And, of course, you it's a game of adjustments. When COVID started in March, that changed sort of the planning of this Super Bowl. As the season progressed, it changes. So they start planning and make make those adjustments. I thought the pregame struck the right chord. There is no doubt that what they did with all the cutouts, making it look sold out, people assumed that Ron DeSantis actually changed the cutouts for real people, but it really was only cutouts. People were pretty socially distanced. Not a lot of people at the ball game, maybe 20,000 fans, but the stadium looked sold out, so the look was good. I'm so glad pipe noise is gone, by the way. So happy pipe noise is gone. And the pregame struck the note of sadness regarding COVID. I thought that the Biden, Joe Biden and, and his wife, Jill, had a very good message. I thought it was interesting that Jill got as much airtime as Joe. I thought it was good. The performances the America the Beautiful by her. This was a very important Super Bowl for me because I admit to you everything on Nothing Personal. This is the first Super Bowl ever in my life, and I've been around for now 51 of them, is that I had never heard of the artist who did the National Anthem or America the Beautiful. I had never heard of her, and I was blown away can I say by her rendition or by hers rendition? I think I have to say by hers rendition of America the Beautiful. I thought the anthem with Eric Church, who is uh, a country music singer, and there was someone else, Coca. There was another woman who was singing. Her name was Jasmine Sol Avin. I thought it was beautiful. I didn't have that as a prop bet, so I wasn't paying attention to the time, though I did hear that the prop bet for either the weekend's halftime show or the national anthem was taken off the board because someone actually timed it during rehearsal and posted it online. In case you weren't aware, don't do any prop bets that are timed because the fix is in because everybody knows what it's going to be because of the rehearsals that happen all week. So be like me and choose other prop bets and then lose just about all of them. So then we got to the halftime show. The weekend was very cool. I'd heard of the weekend only through commercials promoting the halftime show. I thought his music was good. I thought the uh, I thought the whole performance was good. If that's what you're into, good halftime shows, extended halftimes, trying to find a way to, for the Chiefs to get back in the game, whatever. What I did find objectionable, the only criticism I had of the entire Super Bowl is they're trying so hard to be politically correct. They're trying so hard to rid 
football of racism. They're trying so hard to get minority coaches into the game, head coaches, coordinators, etc., GMs. They're trying so hard to make a difference with frontline workers. Yet, upon the introduction of the Kansas City Chiefs, the only thing I heard on the audio was the racist chop. Uh, 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 and I was thinking, what? They can't be doing that now, can they? But they did. My other favorite part of the Super Bowl, it's strange, right? I have definite inability to sit in one place for long periods of time. But in the Super Bowl, I do not get up. I don't DVR anything. I need to see everything live. I actually didn't watch it on live Hulu because I was thinking, does Hulu have the same commercials that CBS would have? And I would assume the answer is no. So I didn't want to watch it on anything other than CBS because I needed to see the commercials. So I came up with my annual top five Super Bowl commercials. Number five, the Michelob Ultra Seltzer commercial. Loved it with real Don Cheadle, fake Don Cheadle, who was his brother, fake Sylvester Stallone, who I didn't realize was fake during the commercial because I just thought that it was bad plastic surgery. I thought Serena was Serena. I thought Megan Fox was Megan Fox, but she just didn't look good. Maybe there was something going on. So I wasn't really sure what was going on. And Christopher Walken's voice was perfect. They go through the commercial. It's doppelgangers for everybody but Don Cheadle. And the point apparently is that Michelob Ultra is real and all the other seltzers that you're going to see commercials for and that you're going to see in the supermarket are all fake. But then the best part of the number five ranked commercial for me was that at the end, it wasn't actually Christopher Walken's voice either. It was a guy doing a perfect imitation. Number four. I got to put Bruce Springsteen at number four. I'd like to put him at number one because he's Bruce Springsteen. The reason I can't put Bruce Springsteen at number one is I thought that Jeep, A, I didn't know it was a Jeep commercial, by the way, even until the last second of the commercial when they said Jeep, what I was thinking to myself is why is Bruce Springsteen in a convertible Jeep driving in the snow in Nebraska? That was in my head. Didn't know it was a Jeep commercial. And then they said Jeep. I said, oh, I totally get it. Problem is, you bring in Bruce Springsteen. There's so many people in power who are big A-list celebrities who actually could talk about being in the middle politically and help to reunify these United States of America. Bruce Springsteen is to the left of Bernie Sanders. Still love his music. I don't agree with him politically, but he's not the person who should be down the middle. That makes it the number four ranked commercial. Number three, were they making fun of Matthew McConaughey because of the weight he lost when playing someone dying of AIDS in the Dallas Buyers Club? Because I felt that's why they went with Matthew McConaughey because he's so used to the, the his fans seeing him so small and then gain some weight, then lose some weight, et cetera. They made him flat. And then I realized it was a 3D commercial for Doritos, Doritos 3D. Isn't that what a combo is? Number two, John Travolta and his daughter doing a dance from Greece is outstanding. I don't know why that has anything to do with Scott's Miracle Grow, and I don't care. 
Number two, I was infatuated with the TurboTax commercial. Infatuated with it. The reason I was infatuated with and why it's my second favorite commercial is because if you are a congressperson, either in the House or in the Senate, and you are responsible for our tax code, do you ever think to yourself the number of businesses that exist for the sole purpose of trying to explain to people what it is they have to do so they're not breaking the law? Normally, it's pretty self-explanatory. Don't hurt somebody. Don't steal something. Don't drive over the speed limit. Don't drink and drive. And don't take any illegal drugs. Sort of right. You've got your sort of compass of what to do and what not to do. The number of people who get accused of tax fraud. Now, that's not not paying your taxes. You got to pay that. I'm not talking about being Wesley Snipes. I'm talking about just misunderstanding the damn IRS code, which makes war and peace look like a single paragraph book. So TurboTax did a commercial trying to explain in a fun way all these things you could take deductions for. And I kept thinking how fascinating it is that there are industries now that have been invented to make it easier for people to navigate the insanity of our government and the taxes and the tax code. TurboTax, I don't use it. Maybe I should. I don't deduct the chair in which I'm sitting doing nothing personal. I think I should. And my favorite commercial, bar none, period, end of story, because it spoke to me because it had Jason Alexander of Seinfeld and the song from the William Cat and Robert Culp and Connie Seneca. Unbelievable 80s TV show called The Greatest American Hero. If you've never seen Greatest American Hero, Connie Seneca was one of my first crushes right around the time after Charlie's Angels, but before sort of the Sports Illustrated model type crushes I had. She's married to Gil Gerard, who's Buck Rogers in the 25th century, and then married to John Tesh, the guy who did the Entertainment Tonight hosting and did the music. He's a composer. He did the music to the NBA music, which I love. The theme song from that is still on my running iPod. It's called Believe It or Not. I think it's sung by Joey Bishop, but I could be wrong. I'm taking that from memory, Coca. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. He, he, flying away like a, on a wing and a prayer. Who could it be? Believe it or not, you're number one. <laughs> so awesome. There's nothing like sentimentality. There just isn't. All right, Joey Scarborough, not Joey Bishop. Is it Joey Scarberry? Thank you. Thank you, Coca. You don't have to correct me. It was not Joey Bishop. It was Joey Scarberry. All right, next, we gave you a bunch of prop bets. Prop bets are fun. You don't put real money on prop bets. First pass by Brady was complete. I thought it'd be incomplete. We bet a unit to win 1.6 units or 1.7 units. <laughs> Down a unit. First pass by Pat Mahomes. Complete. We bet one unit to win 1.7 units. We're down two units. First third down conversion by the Chiefs would be successful. Hell yeah. Got that. Only down a unit. Penalty over 19 and a half yards. I had no idea there'd be so many flags. One of the issues I have with all sports 
except baseball, because in baseball, there's balls and strikes, and then there's calls made at the bases. That's it. Umpires in uh, baseball cannot become the story. They can get a call wrong, but then we have instant replay, but that's sort of the story. Basketball and football, there is far more opportunity for shenanigans. And shenanigans there were yesterday. So many penalties called. It's as though the NFL got together before the game started. They met with the referees and said, hey, call it T-I-G-H-T-T-O-D-A-Y-P-L-E-A-S-E. And so they did. By the way, Mike Hill is now going to have that job in MLB. Mike Hill got a job, the former president of baseball operations of the Marlins, who got fired by Jeter. Jeter's going to miss him more than he'll ever know because the Marlins are going to have a problem next year now. But in any case, in addition to the fact that the entire NL East got better, but forget that. In any case, part of what Mike, jo- Mike Hill's job will be is he's in charge of umpires. He will be meeting as a representative of the commissioner's office with umpires before playoff games and before big games. That's just one of the things he'll do. So during the World Series, I was a part of those meetings and the the representative comes in from commissioner's office. I want to say it was Joe Torrey, my year of being in the World Series. And he says a few things. Hey, let watch for this, this. He'll talk about any sort of pitcher batter issue that had gone on in the past. Let's say that Roger Clemens had gone after Miguel Cabrera before. Be careful, he's going to go after again, him again, or Josh Beckett going after Sammy Sosa, which he did. And so watch out for those things. In the NBA and in the NFL, you have those same meetings where if there's bad blood between the teams or there's certain things that teams uh, in NFL are known for, hey, watch for the horse collars, watch for the holding on the offensive line side. They have the most offensive line penalties in football this year. Those type of things you're making the referees aware of. It's the Super Bowl. LTP. Let them play. But I knew there'd be a penalty over 19 and a half yards, and there was. There was a DPI, defensive pass interference. That was a big win. How could there not have been a score in the first five minutes of this game? That was a loss. And how could Patrick Mahomes not have done some sort of something at the end of the game? Because then we would have won the last prop. Last play will not be a quarterback rush. We got good odds on that, but it was a quarterback rush because a kneel is a quarterback rush. Tom Brady kneeled, kept the ball, and the rest is history. That means we went two and four in our little prop bets. But the big question is, on the nothing personal pick of the day, which way did we go on the game? You bet your sweet patootie we went against 82% of the country who bet on the Chiefs minus three. We went with Mattress Mac. We had the Bucks plus three and we won. That means we're 16 and 14. By the way, we're going to keep going back to the NBA now because there's no more football. There's NBA and baseball's not starting for a while. And we're a little hot in the NBA. The Mavericks, for whatever reason, are eight and a half point favorites over the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves absolutely stink. And the Dallas Mavericks have been realizing that they got to start playing better and winning more, which they are. And we've done well with the Mavericks. So we're taking the Mavs eight and a half over the T-Wolves. We are 16 and 14 because the Bucks covered the Chiefs. Someone was able to ask me a question about the Super Bowl, and I wanted to answer it. I didn't know that I would get to it today because it is sensitive. I convinced Coke I want to talk about it. So your question has made the show. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson? Get on my Twitter. Get on it. 
David P. Sampson. Some of the tweets make me laugh. Some will make you laugh. Some will make you think. Some will make you cry. And some you'll just have no interest in at all. And you'll just keep flicking, keep flicking. David P. Sampson. The uh, DMs are open. Ask me a question. I try to answer as many DMs as possible. Thank you very much. We do an end-of-month mailbag episode. So if you have a question, by the way, that is not sort of about what's going on today, you have a general question, go to Apple. Please rate and review. Download and subscribe wherever you listen to, to your podcast. But Apple has this rate and review thing where you write reviews and then you get a number of reviews and then you try to own those reviews and own those subscribers and it becomes a big negotiation and you really don't know where it's going to end up and you think to yourself, should we give up a little money to get ownership of the show just in case it doesn't work out? this year or next year so we can take all of you with us wherever we go. <sighs> Wait, was the microphone on on that, Coca? Anyway, so the question you asked today was, so you want to talk to Samson? I liked it. How would you handle the Britt Reid situation? The most serious part of the Super Bowl is what took place two days before the game on a Friday night. There was a car accident where Britt Reed, the son of the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, whose name is Andy Reed, his son, Brett Reed, who is the either outside linebackers coach or some coach on the Chiefs, was driving a car and ran into two cars that were parked on the side of the road. And he didn't get hurt. The drivers of the cars that he hit did not get hurt, but there were kids as passengers and they got hurt with life-threatening injuries. The police came and Brett Reed, Britt Reed acknowledged to the police that he may have been impaired because he had had two or three drinks. I don't know whether or not he was given a DUI test. I don't know whether or not he blew into a uh, one of those contraptions. What I do know is that Britt Reed did not make the trip to Tampa for the Super Bowl, and he is in trouble, significant trouble with the law. And there is a five-year-old girl who's on life support, who, by the way, is a GoFundMe page, single mother, three children, not working. And the medical bills will be quite substantial. And that's not even talking about what really matters, which is the tragedy of drinking and driving. I'm not lecturing you. I'm not going to raise my voice. I'm not going to be stern. Because if you're listening to this show and you don't know not to drink and drive, me telling you isn't going to matter. There's a company now called Uber and Lyft. There are car companies. There's taxis. I am not suggesting you don't drink. I'm suggesting you don't drink and drive. You'll do what you want. How do we handle this? CBS said to themselves. Do we talk about it with Andy Reid? Do we mention the fact that one of their coaches is not there? If a coach had been missing because of COVID, you can bet your sweet tushy that it would have been mentioned early enough. If a coach were not there for being sick with not COVID, if a coach were not there for any reason, it would have been mentioned. The NFL made a decision, along with the broadcast partner, that they were going to not mention it. All of a sudden, REL, 
the five-year-old who is fighting for her life in a coma since the accident, was trending on Twitter with that GoFundMe page. And then wouldn't you know, late in the game, after so many people had turned it off because the game was 31 to nine and out of reach, there was a redone with blessings and thoughts to Ariel. If I am the NFL, I am making sure that we cover that early. I agree with taking care of first responders. I agree with highlighting the deaths of people from COVID, the over 440,000 people. Why can't you acknowledge when someone within your own fraternity has done something that has so negatively impacted another family and another life? Because it's a distraction? Because you don't want to embarrass the family of the head coach? Because you don't want to add to his feeling of remorse and angst? Andy Reid was forced to address it after the game and addressed it in an unbelievably painful professional way with a perfect tonality. This is his son who is very likely going to be going to jail, prison. But he took the time to recognize and understood in his statement that the number one issue is the life-threatening injuries of the people, of the kids who were in the accident. If I were the president of the Kansas City Chiefs and that accident happened, I would have gotten the call. I would have gotten it likely from my GM. I would have immediately called the owner to tell him. And then I would have called my PR person and I would have had the family called, would have figured out some sort of help and statement that we could do immediately. You cannot ignore what became of this girl, Ariel. You cannot ignore that it was one of your coaches, and you cannot ignore that that coach was impaired. Didn't see it in the articles. I had to go all the way back with Coca to the news locally, which talked about his impairment and having had two to three drinks. And then the articles changed. And now everyone knew. So I would have handled it a little differently if I had been the broadcast partner of CBS. I would have handled it a little differently if I had been the NFL, a little differently if I had been the Chiefs, because sometimes with a story like this, you've got to get out in front of it and just acknowledge the nightmare that it was. I understand you don't want to distract people from the game. I understand you don't use it as an excuse if you're Kansas City. Having said all that, the reality is this was a coach of a game being played right then and there of one of the Super Bowl participants and the defending champion, no less. And on top of that, the son of the head coach. I really hope that little girl gets better. And I really hope that at least one of you or anybody in this country or in this world We'll read about what happened to Ariel and maybe decide not to get behind the wheel. Maybe. Drunk driving has been going on for as long as there's been driving. I just don't, I just don't see it. So thank you for the So You Want to Talk to Samson. That is how I would have handled 
the Britt Reed situation, I would have been way more proactive than reactive. When we come back, we're going to review a movie with Ryder Allen. And we are going to talk about Trevor frickin Bauer. Trevor Bauer. He's going to the Mets. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal on this Monday, Super Bowl Monday. It's always the most depressing day of the year if you're a football fan because that's it. It just ends. It's done. You build it up to a crescendo and then that's it. Now we got to wait for the preseason games. (laughs) So I still watched a bunch of movies. I had a great day yesterday. I mean, that's not really true. I did not have a great day yesterday. That said... I did watch some movies. One of them was on Apple TV Plus with an actor named Ryder Allen. And then this guy who I had heard of briefly named Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake, the guy from the social network. Justin Timberlake, the guy married to Jessica Biel. He was in a movie called Palmer. He plays Palmer. Palmer got out of prison after 12 years. This movie does not go into any detail of what it's like to readjust to life when you have been in prison for 12 years. It touches on it. June Squibb is in it. The grandmother from Love the Coopers. I love her. I think I have her name wrong, Coca, but I think it's June Squibb. The movie is about a boy. The boy is played by Ryder Allen in his first movie. This boy is a a gender-confused boy. And I don't know if that's the right term, but let me explain what I mean. I don't know what the politically correct term is to say. 
He's a boy who likes dressing up, who likes wearing girls clothes, who likes wearing a barrette in his hair. And he is extremely comfortable with how he feels and wanting to be a princess and join a princess club. Justin Timberlake playing Palmer meets this kid and tells this kid, you're a boy, you're a boy. And the movie explains how Justin Timberlake adjusts from being an ex-convict who is likely not understanding of what it is to have a boy who is gender confused or gender neutral. And by the end of the movie, Palmer, played by Justin Timberlake, is fully understanding. The movie is uplifting with a performance by this boy that is so powerful. It's one of the best children's performances I've seen since Macaulay Culkin and Anna Chomsky in My Girl. There have been some great young performances, Tatum O'Neill and Bad News Bears and Paper Moon. I'm going to forget, you know, Anna Paquin in the piano. Uh, just so many amazing performances by children. But what Ryder Allen was able to do by getting people around him to love him for what he was and to be comfortable in his own skin was a great message for 2021. Stop judging people who are different than you, please. Who cares? Who cares? You like boys. You like girls if you're a boy and a girl. You want to be a boy and you're a girl. You want to be a girl and you're a boy. You want to be neither. You want to be both. You want to be gay. You want to be straight. You want to be both. You want to be black. You want to be brown. You want to be red, yellow, green, purple. Who gives a flying rat's ass? Why wouldn't it be just great if everyone could be their own happiness and find their own happiness and not feel as though they had to worry about getting beaten up? I don't know who out there likes the idea of bullying because bullying impacts kids their entire life. Whether they're short, whatever the reason they've been bullied, it impacts them their entire life. Is that really what you think is the right way to be? Palmer on Apple TV Plus, please check it out. Trevor Bauer's going to the Mets. We had to wait to see. Trevor Bauer will be on the Mets. That was one of my predictions for Hanukkah, I think. It was also a wait to see last week when it was down to the Mets and Dodgers and no mystery teams. Trevor Bauer signed a five-year, $500 million deal with the Mets. He makes that rotation wait. Oh, no. Hold on. I'm getting a text from Rachel Luba, the agent. And apparently, this can't be right, Coca. Um, Trevor Bauer's on the Dodgers? Trevor Bauer signed for $40 million in 2021 and $45 million in 2022 with an opt-out and then an option for $17 million in 2023. Huh? Why would he pick up his option? It can't be a player option. If it's a player option, of course he's not going to pick it up because he can make more than $17 million unless he stinks or gets hurt. Oh, but then he gets to say that he beat Garrett Cole's AAV because then he'll have two years at $87 million. When Cole makes 36, that would be 43.5. Oh, you can't say that. If the Dodgers announce a trade or a signing of a three-year $102 million deal, guess what? That is not Garrett Cole's AAV. The Dodgers are the Padres' worst nightmare. The Dodgers, the Dodgers are MLB's worst nightmare. The Dodgers are the Mets' worst nightmare. Here's why. They've got the ability to do the type of contract 
that one or two other teams can do. In this case, the Mets could have matched that contract. New owner taking depreciation for his acquisitions and for the assets that are depreciating that he purchased from the Wilpons. Steve Cohn, who paid a couple hundred million less than he thought and wanted to take on losses for this year and next. Steve Cohn and the Mets would be the only other team other than the Dodgers who have the financial ability to have reckless disregard toward the luxury tax. They have a bunch of insurance money they use. The majority owners are actually insurance companies and insurance funds. So when you have insurance, your proceeds may have gone to sign Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer announced he was going to the Dodgers with a YouTube video. I appreciate that Trevor Bauer is trying to be the face of baseball. I appreciate that he's trying to engage with fans in a way that not many of our players do. That's a dollar, Coca. Not many of their players do. I also appreciate the fact that Trevor Bauer is not the person who should be doing it. He tried to be sentimental, talk about the beauty of baseball, talk about the excitement, and then talk about how ready he is to be a Dodger. There's been no official amount announcement. There's been no physical. There is only rumors and innuendo. It is not official when it is. We will lose our weight to see that said Trevor Bauer was a Met. But I'm not taking that loss today. No, I'm not. What if he fails his physical? That could happen. Trevor Bauer to the Dodgers makes the Padres despondent because they brought in Blake Snell and you Darvish and matching Trevor Bauer with Walker Bueller. And if David Price chooses not to opt out and he's just a little less stinky than he was, he's a good number five starter. You've got Kershaw who can become really the number three starter because Bauer becomes your number two starter and Bueller becomes your number one starter. And then you still have Dustin May, the guy who looks like Carrot Top, who's unbelievable. He's young. And you still have Julio Urias, who doesn't have to necessarily go back to the bullpen where you know he was when the Dodgers won the World Series last year. The Dodgers are deep, and they've always been deep because they can afford to sign players. And if they suck, they ignore it and sign the next guy. When the Marlins or 25 other teams sign a bad player, you have to suck on it because you're screwed. You don't have the money to reallocate that money. The power of the Dodgers money is what has helped them. The discipline of Andrew Friedman's good, but the power of the money, it covers all mistakes and allows you to offer these contracts. They offered the biggest contract to Bryce Harper. Two years, $45 million a year. Harper said, no way, I'm taking 330. I want to beat Stanton. I'm taking 330. And I'm going to Philly. Yippee, I'm going to win in Philly. Not. The Dodgers love these short-term deals. Do you know why? Because when you make a mistake on a short-term deal and you can afford to cover it up in the short-term, you don't have to worry about it in the long-term. When you make a mistake on a long-term deal, you have to worry about covering it up every single year. $40 million for Trevor Bauer. Do you remember when we talked about a player being able to outperform his contract. When the Dodgers do a deal like that, by definition, Trevor Bauer cannot outperform his contract. He can't even come close. Literally, he can't come close. He is not one of the best pitchers in baseball. There've been a ton of articles written of how great he is. Well, I'm gonna give you today's wait to see. 
the Dodgers will not repeat as World Series champions. It's not that I'm saying they won't repeat because I don't believe Trevor Bauer will ever be on a championship team. I don't believe that Trevor Bauer will be enough to help the Dodgers repeat because of how hard it is to repeat as World Series champions, especially given that it looks like we're going to play at least 154, but lightly 162 games. The Dodgers will not repeat. Wait to see. But the reason they made this deal, they've got spreadsheets. They've got profit and loss statements. They look at them. They look at Andrew Friedman. They look at the free agent market and they say, hey, hey, hey. It's just business. This is nothing personal. 